right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm feeling a little extra peppy today because it is the start of RCST Trivia. It's a good day. It is a good day. Great 64 day. entrants. It'll be whittled down to one in about six weeks. We'll figure out who the champion is. Um, so it starts today. We'll have two matchups in the first round. Those are going to come at about 425. We're going to have a uh, 611 matchup and a 710 matchup. But so then you're things stick really get up tomorrow. Four. Yeah. Yeah, this morning is like the you know how in the second it's like, round it's like the it's like the first four, but obviously not the first four because it's part right. of the tournament. But you know what I mean, like well, you it's get like, your first little. It's pace. like you know how in the second round on that Saturday, there's like the one game that's at like the standalone morning game, and then it's like two and a half hours later the second game, and then after that it's like <laughs> every game is stacked and there's just constant <laughs> action going on. That's like the difference between today. <laughs> And uh, what tomorrow's going to be. So we'll do that. David Lesky is going to join the show at 3.40 to talk a little Royals baseball. We got Casey of the Mondays at 4.05. How about a new segment alert? The stupid scale. Uh, it was something <laughs> we just joked around about last week, but we're going to try it out. So uh, we'll do that. stupid scale. <laughs> we'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour here on RCST. Uh, leading off the top, though, it was a bit of a noteworthy news weekend for KU. I guess, first of all, um, Hunter Dickinson wrapped up his... Visit. Yep. yep. Did you see him around town? At all? I did not actually, but uh, I did see that he was in some notable places. Mm. So I, I I didn't see him though. such as I don't know if I'm at liberty to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I I went out on Thursday night with some, with a couple friends on Mass Street, hoping to see him. Oh, his plane only was to delayed. have his plane be delayed, and so I didn't actually get to see him. Oh man. Or maybe, maybe he just blended in with the crowd. Maybe he just perfectly think, blended in. And I think never the seven it. foot one, two hundred sixty <laughs> pound guy just blended in with the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I just missed him. You know, maybe it was like mm. in passing. You know, I just yeah, he's just listed seven one. He's only seven feet, so it's it's hard to notice. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, his his visit wrapped up. He's going to Kentucky now. He's visiting there in Lexington, he's and not then going to Kentucky. He's visiting. He is in Kentucky. Yeah. Well, I, yes, I, I yes, don't think. I, guess go, I, I don't know it. if going to Kentucky is a phrase you should throw around. Yeah. Uh, be now. on the lookout. There is a tweet from 2019 of Hunter Dickinson that I saw going around uh, yep. that says Kansas versus Kentucky from Hunter Dickinson. It's because he went to that game when he was visiting Kentucky as like a freshman. So yeah. if you see that popping around, make sure you look at the date. That's Derek. Not... Uh, Derek told me this morning <laughs> with that. So I sent it to you and was like, oh. <laughs> That, no, that is not necessarily the case. Uh, and then he's vis- visiting Villanova a little bit after that. We'll, we'll see what all comes out of this. I'd imagine, I don't know, that maybe in like a week or two, maybe you start getting like a whittled list or something like that. Maybe yeah. we find I out mean, by the middle of May. It still kind of feels like Kansas, Maryland, and Kentucky are the top three, I would say, at this point. Which, you know, Kentucky kind of laid into it, basically, because of the Oscar Sheboy stuff. Which, by the way, he still hasn't officially made a decision. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if that could factor into Hunter Dickinson's decision if he's like, 
if Hunter Dickinson wants to take a decision, but Oscar hasn't made up his mind yet, if that could maybe cause the domino effect one way or the other, but that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but the big news as it regards to KU, because it is a final bit of news, a bit of finality here, Harrison Ingram picked North Carolina. Yeah, and this is interesting because obviously we had the discussion last week when it was announced that his visit to Kansas was delayed. And I think both you and I's initial reaction was, eh, you know, probably not that big of a deal. Like, you know, if it was class stuff, whatever, which was the report, then, you know, sure, fine, whatever. But obviously now with the commitment to UNC, maybe there was some smoke there about how he, you know, didn't really feel that interested in Kansas anymore and wanted to make up his mind. I, I don't know. But uh, that certainly is interesting considering the circumstances of that and the timing of it and then ultimately committing to North Carolina this past weekend. Uh, but, yeah, this was a target that Kansas was pretty hot on for the most part, I think, but maybe kind of cooled on him towards the end there, and that's one of the reasons maybe he why he ultimately went to UNC. Uh, but I think he would have been a guy that would have been a good fit for Kansas and would have been certainly a, a solid player, but the real questions were regarding his three-point shooting. And you get Nicholas Timberlake, a guy who's a 40% plus three-point shooter. Harrison Ingram was like 30% from three, right? And if you were going to try to play him at the th- three, I guess, with KJ at the four, and hypothetically, if you get Dickinson at the five, is that truly enough shooting at that point if you're rolling out Juan slash uh, Timberlake slash Omarco as your one and two, and then Ingram and then KJ and Dickinson? Like, I don't know if that's quite enough shooting, but there was a lot of other things that to really, really like about Ingram in terms of his game, but uh, ultimately, he decided to go to North Carolina, so that's another wing off the board for Kansas, basically. And I think for for KU, what what this really means is, I think it just, and I I don't even know if this is possible, but I think it just further emphasizes the importance of getting Hunter Dickinson at this point. Because now, if you're Kansas, you've had multiple wings that seem like they might have been pretty good fits that you've kind of let go, basically, because of your pursuit of Hunter Dickinson is what it seems like from the outside. So now that just puts more pressure on you getting him. Because if you get Hunter Dickinson, then it's like, eh, it's fine. You know, whatever, right? But if you don't, then you might be looking back and saying, hey, Harrison Ingram, hey, Hakeem Hart, and hey, Jesse Edwards, like some guys that seemed like they might have had interest in Kansas that you that you didn't follow through on because you were going after the big fish. You could be in some trouble at that point. Yes. So, I I mean, there there is seemingly more. Like a lot of times when, when a player doesn't, I don't know, pick a school, sometimes it's just the timing's wrong or uh, just a, there was a little bit more blame put to KU seemingly on this one, and in, in, as it goes to maybe slow playing it a bit, like uh, yeah, I think it was a, a surprise to a lot of I'm, I'm sure people here locally that he ended up not picking KU because originally when he entered the portal, there was kind of some thoughts that yeah, KU would be a logical destination, and then at some point he. I don't know. K- KU may have, you know, taken a little bit too long to reach out to him to begin with, and then you had the the visit scheduled, and then it got pushed back due to a scheduling conflict. That that would be interesting to begin with. Like, if if the visit didn't get pushed back, is this happening, or is KU able to wrap it up, you know, before yeah. he goes to North Carolina? I yeah. don't know. Well, obviously there was speculation about why it was pushed back. Like, obviously yeah. there was like the scheduling conflict reported, but like, was that the real reason? Like, maybe it was a situation where. Ingram was like, hey, I'm not really feeling very much love from KU, so I feel like I want to commit. I don't, I'm don't. i going to push it back 
I'm going to quote unquote push it back as a way of basically saying not yeah. interested. Well, could it have been Kansas saying exactly. that you know we're no, interested in other guys? I don't Kansas. know. I don't yeah, know. It, it could have been, been any side. It could have gone both ways. Um, so I. I, I don't know totally where to go with this because th- there are certain signs that you could line up and be like, well, maybe Kansas was pulling off them yeah. and, and they're fine with this. You could definitely put on the tinfoil hat and extrapolate some extreme sure. conclusions from this. You could also say that KU dropped the bag. I don't, I don't know which one it is. I don't know. Uh, it could go either way. But I do think this isn't the same as losing out. Like It's unfortunate. I, I thought Harrison Ingram would have been a nice pickup for yeah, KU. He's, he's still a good a, player, right? He's still generally considered a top five guy in the transfer yeah. pool, right? So definitely a big get. You could make the argument that if they landed Hunter Dickinson, he wouldn't have been the greatest fit for this team. Yes. Versus if they don't land Hunter Dickinson, maybe they could have used somebody who could have been powerful down low a little bit more. And maybe if you land Hunter Dickinson, you want somebody who's a better shooter, more importantly than this. Yep. Um, so you could make all those arguments. I, I also, like, I, I don't want to play revisionist guy. Like, there are some people where it's like, oh, this guy's thinking about coming to KU. He's the greatest player in the world. And then all of a sudden, he, he picks KU, and it's, it's like, like eh, he's the greatest player. He, wasn't he doesn't pick KU. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, ah, he was never good to begin with. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, I, I always did think Harrison Ingram was a, a solid enough player. Yes. But I also never got to the point with Harrison Ingram where it was, like, on the level of, like, what Hunter Dickinson is, right? Yeah. To where... Well, I think the thought with You Harrison- can get other Harrison Ingrams in the portal. Yes. Hypothetically. Well, I think the thought with Harrison Ingram was, like... Maybe he could be like a one for one for like Jalen Wilson or Kevin McCuller. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Wilson was a better three point shooter and did more for Kansas, and McCuller is a better defender, right? So, like, I don't know that he would have been able to stack up in that to that same level. And, and again, we, we had this discussion regarding Hunter Dickinson. It's like there's a pretty big gap between Hunter Dickinson and then like the next group of guys in the portal, right? Like, it's not like it's not like it's like one, two, three, four, five. It's like one gap. <laughs> Two, three, yes, four, five. Yes. Right? So that that also, I think, factors into it. Yes. So, I mean, the, I think the most unfortunate part about all of this, it's that, it's that you had all these other wings that could have been your other options here that have now committed elsewhere or have, like, narrowed down their list to someone else. Yeah. Uh, Hakeem Hart made his decision known on Friday. He had KU in his final four list, but he ended up picking Villanova. Like, I wonder if... If Harrison Ingram picks North Carolina on Thursday, is KU able to make a last-minute call Friday morning, similar to how they did with like Marcus Adams, and be like, hey, we really want you, we have an opening for you. And then maybe Hakeem Hart picks Kansas, right? Uh, Matthew Cleveland narrowed down his final list of three, Missouri, Auburn, and Miami. It's just a finalist list. It's not committing, so... How many times have we seen recruits before have a finalist list and then a, a school like a Duke or Kansas approach them and they're like, now I have a new finalist <laughs> list, right? It wouldn't be that crazy, but yeah. I, I think that does show that, yeah, things are not trending toward it being KU as far as that specifically goes. Yes. Um, you it have. Just, it just goes back to Dalton Connect, pick Tennessee. Like, it, it just, I, I think that's what's unfortunate here that you missed out the most on Harrison Ingram because. There are a lot of other wings who I just mentioned or who maybe are uncommitted who are on that same tier of player as Harrison Ingram. Some could be better fits. Some could be worse fits in other regard than Harrison Ingram. But they're that same level of player. It's just that because this happened at this point in time, it was just really crappy timing, I think, for K. Wait, and think about it. Like, if you're a guy in the portal and you might be interested in Kansas, like a Hakeem Hart or even like a Harrison Ingram type, like you might be interested in Kansas and yet – you get the sense, I mean, even even I get the sense just sitting here, and I'm not in those conversations, you get the sense that KU has a spotlight fixated on Hunter Dickinson, and that's their main focus, yeah. right? So imagine you're like a Harrison Ingram type, where you might be a top 
10, top 15 guy in the portal, and you just don't really feel like you're getting the same level of love. Yeah, here's a, here's a quote to that to that real quick. I was already pretty comfortable with them because they showed me the most love out of all the schools. That was yeah. Harrison Ingram talking about North Carolina. See, and that's that's exactly what I mean. It's like if you're Harrison Ingram and you know you see all this this constant news about Hunter Dickinson in Kansas going on a visit, this, that, and the other, and you and you're getting like you got like one phone call from Kansas, right? And you're like, okay, well, this guy's getting a lot of love, and it's not really the same for me, you know. And so. It, you know, from the player standpoint, you might think Harrison Ingram might think, you know, well, hey, I could be just as important of a as a, of a piece as a guy like Hunter Dickinson, even if that may not be true. Just like you know, you might think that, right? And that could that could kind of skew your vision a little bit. And I think also another couple interesting quotes I read from Harrison Ingram about his commitment was uh, it, his quotes. If you kind of read between the lines, it kind of sounds like North Carolina was like, hey, you can come play however you want to play at North Carolina. Like we'll just we'll adapt to however you want to play. And I think maybe that might not have been the case if he came to KU. I think if if he comes to KU, there probably would have been more of a, hey, Harrison Ingram, we need you to play this way. We need you to have play this style to fit into what we're trying to do. And I don't know, maybe that wasn't as appealing to him also. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if this did come down to KU actually wanted him and they just didn't show him enough love, like that's probably not great. But also if it was KU cooling on him and they wanted different fits, then that's fine too. I, I will say this. Um it doesn't matter because this isn't the reality we live in, but if Nick Timberlake would have picked UConn instead of Kansas, how much do you think people would be freaking out right now? There would probably be a lot of concern. Yes. <laughs> yes. But again, the great thing about that is like 100 Dickinson and boom, everything yeah. solved. Yeah. All problems go away immediately. Now, if you don't get him, <laughs> then you have more problems. So who's left? Who's left that is uh, on the wing position? Well, I'm looking at 24-7 sports, their transfer portal. We've talked a little bit about Mackenzie Mbako, the five-star recruit, top 10 kid. Like, he would make sense. You could play him at the the four position mostly and maybe some three, two with his shooting and athleticism. He's a freshman, though, so you never know how that's going to translate. Who else is available? Uh, Raekwon Battle. He's more of like a shooting guard, but he is 6'5". You could play him at the three. I, yeah. I think that is one interesting piece of this. Because there aren't as many like go-to wings at this point that are left. And who knows, maybe maybe they're guys that entered the NBA draft and they're going to come back and then enter the portal and maybe that opens it up a little more. But yes. if, because basically as I'm looking at it now, so you have Raekwon Battle, uh, again, more of a shooting guard in my opinion, but Jalen Tyson, who, talk about him in a second. Oliver Nkamwa is number four on this. David Jones from St. John's is number three, who... I don't know. I haven't really heard much about in, yeah, in that think, regard. I don't Plus, even know it's, if KU's talked to him. At no, all. it's his second transfer. He shot thirty nine percent from the floor. Like, is that going to be the guy for KU? Probably not. Um, and then the number five guy on here is Glenn Taylor Jr. from Oregon State. Uh, so, like, number seven, number six is a power forward. Number seven is Puff Johnson, who averaged like three points per game at North Carolina. Point being, there, there's not a lot of options now left at the small forward position. I think you immediately pivot toward Jalen Tyson. Like, that's the obvious one, right? Yeah. Yeah. A good shooter, can defend well, comes from Texas Tech. You have to worry about, you know, can he get immediately eligible? Maybe he can, maybe he can't. But I think that Tyson becomes the automatic guy, but he just finished up a visit with Cal. I think they're trying to set up a visit with him. So is Auburn. We'll see where that goes. If he goes, though, and you don't get him, you're kind of out of wing options that are like ones that you just don't want to take by default. Yeah, and you have so guys still have until May 11th to enter the portal. Mm-hmm. 
And then at that point, if you're if there's still nobody there for Kansas and there's still nobody that you really like, you have June first is the deadline for guys to basically rescind themselves from the draft after they maintain their eligibility to transfer. So I guess at that point you just look for some guys in that on that list that maybe might come back. But again, I don't know. That's kind of murky. Like I don't know if you're in the NBA draft. Like let's say you've declared for the NBA draft, you've maintained your eligibility, and you're in the draft and you're still. Try, or you're going through the process. You're still, try, still trying to decide what you want to do. I, is, can te- can college teams like still contact you at that point? Like mm. if you're still if you are like in the draft, technically, I don't know. I don't know how that. I works. mean, probably not legally, but like there we know there's so much no, back yeah, there's back that goes on. No, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah, because like you have until they have until June first, right? So basically, after so like if you're thinking about this after May 11th, if there's nobody in the portal that you're like would make sense for Kansas. Then at that point, really, you truly are just kind of banking on looking for guys that are going to rescind themselves from the draft and come back for another year and hope you can get one of those. Yeah, guys. and that might be risky business. Yes, it, I mean, there, might, point, there might not right. be very many of them, and, you, and who knows what they might do. Kevin McCuller, come back, please. <laughs> he, would be, he would be number one on the list, yeah, probably. He would. Uh, the other part of this is that it makes me wonder, let's say you don't land Jalen Tyson, because, again, he's that one obvious guy that's out there right now. Do you just steer into playing three guards, like three like non-wing type guards? Like maybe you land a Raekwon Battle, maybe you land another combo guard, whether it's a Arterio Morris or a Primo Spears who's supposed to be visiting this week, right? And let's say he gets eligible because that's a whole other thing that we don't need to talk about right now. Um, but let's just say if you don't get Jalen Tyson, I kind of wonder if that's the go-to method out. where you just say, you Juan know, Art- Timberlake, on yeah, Marco you have Juan at the one. You have El Marco at the two, Timberlake's playing the three, and then, you know, whatever other guard you bring yeah, in can like kind of fill in battle, the one, two, or three. Battle would be like the two Like, or similar three. to what Baylor has done the past few years, where they've played like like LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler, where they're one and two. You had Keontae George, who was like six four, more of a shooting guard, playing at the three. Yep. And obviously, it's not ideal size-wise, but that KU could, has enough size at the four and five with KJ and Ernest at that point, yes. or with or without exactly. Dickinson. And, like, I think that could work with Dickinson. Without him, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be that guy, but, but it's you, like... Couldn't you argue that it, it it almost makes it easier to operate a lineup where you have those three guards if it's not Hunter Dickinson? Because mm. if you're going to start Ernest Uday or Zuby next to KJ, okay. you better have more shooting and scoring from the one through three, correct? Yes. And so if you have those or, three guards... Or, but then if you do that, those three guards with Dickinson, it would just be throw it to Dickinson, and then if he gets doubled... Kick it to somebody to shoot a three. Well, yes. To your point, I think every possible solution KU could have this option is better with Hunter <laughs> Dickinson. Dickinson. You know, it's, it's like, kind of a it's kind of a catch twenty two. It's yeah. like, well, it would be better with Dickinson. Exactly. It's like it's like if you go to a restaurant and they're like, here's some free ice cream at the end. It's like, you know, I don't always need the ice cream, but does it ever make it worse? No. Does it make it better? Yeah, it does. You know, it's like adding cheese to a burger. Yeah. Would you like cheese? Yes. I used Doesn't to not, I used to not like cheese on burgers. Actually. Mm. Just like when the taste of the meat. Well, I think I've told you this, but when I was a kid, I was really picky. Yeah, so hey, I would that's literally a weird one to be picky. I would about. literally Cheese? just eat. I would literally just have like straight burger and bun, nothing else. <laughs> when I was a kid, when I was like ten. Well, no, was, no, no sauce, no, no nothing outside literally of meat. Two buns. So young Nick Springer was like, no, Hunter Dickinson does not do anything <laughs> for me. Um, Correct. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I mean, for, so, yeah, I, I think without a doubt, no matter what you do, Hunter Dickinson makes everything better. I, I kind of wonder, and that's the thing. If you bring in Jalen Tyson, 
he is a good enough shooter, then it almost is like bringing in another guard, right, in terms of his scoring ability. Exactly. But, yeah. No, I, I get that. And if they do end up with Jalen Tyson instead of Harrison Ingram, I think you're going to have a lot of people being like, that was better anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think I think generally that's like that's like fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, I, I agree with that. now it basically makes it so that you have more I think, pressure. I to think land the Harrison like Ingram situation is probably not going to bother very many KU people unless they don't get Dickinson. Mm-hmm. If they don't get Dickinson, then it'll be like, wow, Ingram would have been nice. Right. You know? Which, like, you're going to have that with a lot of situations. Like, wow, Jesse Edwards might have been nice. Wow. Yeah. Ingram. Wow. Hart. Like, yeah. these guys that maybe if that maybe if KU, maybe if they were feeling a bit more love from KU, if KU wasn't more focused on Dickinson. But listen, you can't, it's not like you can blame KU for being aggressive on Dickinson. Like, no, like not we at just all. talked about, like, to me, there's a gap between Dickinson and everybody else in the portal, right? So, like, you, it's not like you can blame KU for, for being this aggressive with him. Like, he's a guy that, literally makes you the number one team in the country probably. Yeah, it, it's a worthwhile risk because yes. what you just said, if they land Hunter Dickinson, they're the number one team. Yes. Versus, let's say they would have landed, you know, those B-tier players, but more of them with Harrison Ingram and a couple other players that maybe committed elsewhere. Maybe they move up to number six or number seven. Yeah. Like, is number six or number seven that different than number 10? Like, if you're Dickinson... It is different if you're number one. That is a big yeah. enough jump. Yes. And if you get Dickinson, instant national title contender. Yeah. Instant national title top three or four teams. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. David Lesky will join us in less than 15 minutes. Coming up next, the Aaron Rodgers trade is official. Also some uh, Chiefs NFL draft content. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That time on a Monday to talk a little Royals baseball with David Lesky of Inside the Crown. So, David, since we last talked, Chris Bubich, it was announced he has to get Tommy John surgery. What do you envision this means for both the team and his individual future? Yeah, for the team, it's interesting because, um, what's the date say? The 24th, like a month and a week ago, they weren't even, I, I don't think, expecting him to be in the big leagues. So um, I, don't, I don't think it changes a whole lot right there he he kind of jumped in for the daniel lynch spot lynch is i believe he threw the live hitters for the first time over the weekend um i would imagine he'll be back in a couple weeks so really doesn't change a whole lot from what they were thinking prior to the season now he had that nice start to the year he had a good good couple starts and struggled in the third start when he clearly had the forearm issues so um that does that does change some things that does impact some things but um I think I don't. I don't think it's a huge difference, obviously, from like I said, from what they were planning. Um, but he was a very early success story that the new coaching staff could put the a feather in their cap about for a short time, <laughs> um, and and now he's gone until probably around the All Star break next year, I would say, which yeah, twelve to fourteen months generally um maybe a little earlier than the break i don't know but it it did it, it's concerning um you know he, he's gonna take up a roster spot in the off season of course but he'll be on the 60 day il whenever they need somebody now uh, he can go on immediately in spring training um whenever that first day is they can put people on the il so it's not a big deal for his 
I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to cut bait on him, but this was a really big year for him. And it's a big year for Lynch and Coar, Heasley and all of them. Um, so it, it's disappointing because 2023 is a season for the Royals to say, this is what we have, this is what we don't have, this is what we need, this is what we don't need. And Chris Bubich and uncertainty over you know his return makes his spot a need, and they might fill it before he can get back. I don't, I don't know what the Royals are planning on doing as far as um, contending in 2024. <laughs> at this point, I don't, I don't know if they're looking at that and going, "Okay, we know what we need. We're going to spend the money we need to get there." I, I don't know. Um, but if they are going to try to at least get to 500 next year with with moves, it might leave Bubich on the outside looking in. Uh, that all that said, starting pitching. You can never have enough. I mean, they, we the Royals went into spring training. You know, okay, they've got okay depth. They've got at least early. They've got Bubich. They've got Ryan Yarbrough. They've got Heasley. They've got um, Jackson Coar. You know, you, we'll see who who turns around. And now, all of a sudden, they're starting an opener in <laughs> the twentieth game of the season. So, depth comes into play. I don't. You know, they'll they'll need other guys, but. It's a big blow for Bubich because this again, this was a really big year for him, and he started off so well that that it looked like he might be turning a corner, and and now here we are. Uh, so there was this quote from Bubich that I saw in the Kansas City Star last week, and it's a lengthy quote, so excuse me for reading through this. But um, I had known that I have a fairly unique kind of adaptation to throwing stress that I've kind of developed over the years, and we found that out kind of going through the draft process. But I didn't necessarily know the state that it was at now. But sure, anytime you tweak a repertoire or add certain pitches or change your mindset or change your intent, all that kind of comes together. But sometimes your body adapts to the stress well, sometimes it doesn't, and that's just kind of how it goes. It's the risk you kind of accept being a pitcher because being an overhead thrower obviously isn't a natural motion, and it's not that this is all that uncommon in the game anymore. But like I said before, no regrets in terms of tweaking stuff and changing stuff, just trying to bring out the best version of myself. And I, I don't know how you read that, but when I hear that, I almost, I, I kind of, I, I just feel really bad for Chris Bubich because how I read it is basically, I have to have this new pitch mix, this new pitch repertoire to be a successful big league pitcher. But by having this pitch repertoire and pitch mix, it basically is making my arm fall off. So it's either like I can be in the majors but not be a good pitcher, or I can be in the majors and be a good pitcher but always get injured. And, and it may not always be always. Also, right, right. You know, and, and so that's it's interesting. Yeah, I read that, and yeah, you do feel bad. But at the same time, if he doesn't tweak the pitch mix, is he a big leaguer at all? <laughs> so yeah. you know, I, I think that it's. Yeah, it's a fair risk. Um, you know, one thing that I had been thinking about is you look at what the Rays do with their pitching, and they're hurt a lot. They have a lot of injuries with their pitching staff. I went back and looked, and this is it's been almost a week, so a lot could have changed. Um, but I um, I saw that the Rays since the start of twenty twenty one, I think it was had put like 52 pitchers on the IL or 52 IL stints for pitchers, not 52 pitchers because some of them were multiple times. The Royals were at 31 um, or 30 or something like that. It doesn't really, the number doesn't really matter the exact number because it was just significantly more for the Rays. And I wonder a little bit if the way the Rays operate is, Hey, we are going to position you to be better than you were before, but it's going to potentially strain your arm. And, 
that strain could lead to long-term injury, but our job is to win games. And if you get hurt, we will replace you with somebody who we've given similar tools and then we'll replace them when they get hurt and then we'll replace them when they get hurt and so on and so forth. And you wonder a little bit with the Royals taking a more analytical approach and, and understanding how outs are created a little easier for, for them now. I mean, we haven't seen it necessarily in the results all the time, but you, know, you see what these teams are doing. And you see some of these ridiculous pitches. We didn't see that from the Royals. Well, those pitches also cause extra strain on an arm sometimes. And so I wonder if we're just going to see some more injuries with the Royals moving forward because they're, they're giving guys tools that are a little bit more, more taxing on the arm. And the difference between the Royals and the Rays right now is the Rays lose like four-fifths of their rotation currently on the I.L. or at one point was or whatever, and they just bring up new guys. The Royals aren't there yet because they just started this program. So we'll see how it goes. Um, for now, it, it's not looking great. If, if they can duplicate or come close to duplicating what the Rays have done, eventually they should have a pipeline. And it's into a whole other conversation, but what I've heard in the low levels of the minors and it's creeping into double play a little bit, triple A not so much. I'm not sure why, or you know, maybe it's just veteran guys who they are what they are in a lot of ways. But from what I have heard in the low levels of the minors, things are going phenomenally. I mean, and, and you see it in the numbers too. You see guys like Frank Mozicato, he struck out six more in four innings yesterday and gave up one run. Um, David Sandlin has been great. Um, I'm, I'm gonna. It doesn't matter. There's a million. There's there's not a million. There's there's twelve or thirteen different arms who you look at and you go, wow, that these numbers are phenomenal. And from what I've heard, they look as good as as the numbers look. So maybe they're starting that pipeline, and it's just it's going to be rough at the big league level while while they're catching up a little bit. Yeah, to your point about the that injuries and stuff, why not? Does does that increase your concern level about some of these other pitchers that have added new stuff, guys like Brad Keller? Um, not so much with Keller, just because he's a free agent. And so I, I, I think it, it, it's interesting because I don't want to sound crass or, or uncaring, but I think teams like the Rays see mid-level talent as fungible. And so if, if you can get more out of Brad Keller, he's a perfect example. He's not a star. He's not an elite pitcher. You're, you're, the ceiling on Keller is probably, what, a three, maybe? I, I mean, I, uh, a low-end two or a three is the absolute, absolute ceiling on him. And a team like the Rays would look at him and say, we're, we're going to get as many things as we can that are the two, that are the low-end two, and not worry that we might not see you again for a year and a half. And players are assets to teams like the Rays. It's not the prettiest personnel look um but they win games and that's that's the job and so no i'm not i'm not terribly worried I mean, I'm, I'm i'm wondering if we do see some some injuries yes um but you know that, that that's kind of if you're not going to spend money that's kind of the way you got to win games yeah and i think something else that's been interesting with the Rays is i i almost feel like they use the il as like extra roster spaces you know it's they, just... that, and that's part of it too because when i looked there were some guys who were on there for the minimum days, and, and you wonder, were they really hurt, or were they just getting a guy up? I don't know. So that, that's fair, too. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, this has been a really rough start overall, record-wise, for the team. What do you think? Is this team historically bad? Like, are they not just bad? Are they historically bad? 
I don't, I still don't think they are. Um, and that's becoming a really unpopular opinion. I don't know. I, I continue to look at their record or their schedule and think, well, they're five and 17 and they should be better. I'm not saying they should be five and 17, but I mean, they had a really, really rough go of, of who they've had to play. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that this is indicative of, they're not a 37 win team. I think that's the pace they're on. Um, I don't, they're not an 81 win team. And I'm not even sure that the 73 win team that I predicted, but I think we'll have a much clearer picture of what the Royals are at the end of May. Um, because when we talked about this last week or two weeks ago, but they finish April up. They finish with the Diamondbacks this week um, and the Twins. And they get a day off. And then they come home, and it's Baltimore, who started off really well. But I'm not sure that they're anything more than maybe slightly above average. And they play the A's, who are awful. The White Sox, awful. Brewers are good. Padres are good. White Sox, awful. Tigers, awful. Nationals, awful. And then the Cardinals. I, I, they've won five games. And three of them have been in, in series against the Giants and Angels. Giants are not good. The Angels are mediocre. Um, I think it's indicative that they've won those games against those teams. And I, I don't know. I just think I think they're bad, but not horrific. And so I I wouldn't be surprised if we see a pretty decent bounce back in in May. Let's say they play twenty seven games. I could see thirteen and fourteen. You know, which is, again, it's bad. It's, it's below average. It's not 500, but they're not historical bad. They're just normal bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you're talking record-wise from here on, if you had to, like, try to guess a range within, I don't know, five or six wins, uh, what would you put it at? Uh, okay. So, well, they have 140 games left. I Look, I think they could win 62 to 67 of those. I, I don't – it wouldn't <laughs> – this is this is going to sound like the craziest thing in the world because they're five and seventeen, but if they finish seventy and seventy, I don't think I'd be blown away. I would be surprised, but I wouldn't like fall out of my chair shocked by that. It's probably more likely that they finish I don't know sixty four and seventy six something like that and end up at sixty nine wins, which by the way is the over in Vegas. <laughs> if you made that bet, um, that's not why I said it, but um, I, I don't. Again, I don't think they're historically horrible. I, look, Michael Massey is either is either going to hit better or be in, in the minors. You know, Hunter Dozier, he's not going to be on the team a lot longer. I, I promise. In one way or another, he's gone. <laughs> um, you know, these guys, they're going to get Drew Waters back. The defense is going to get better in the outfield. You're not going to see Edward Oliveris chasing after a ball. Um, there, there's a lot of the issues we've seen – I don't think the bullpen is going to be as bad as it has been. I think there's there's too much talent there. I think Scott Barlow looked a lot better the other night. I think that's a it's a really big big piece for this bullpen. I just think some things are going to improve, whether it's via the players who are on the field or by their replacements. And and I just don't think they'll end up as bad as they are. Now they're they're going to lose Chapman because he's going to get traded, and that's smart. That's the right decision. I, I don't know who else is going to get moved. So maybe things change in the last two months because they've traded away guys who are helping them inflate their win total a little bit um but if, if they like i said 62 to 67 more would not surprise me 
Well, in your latest weekend review, you already got into some draft talk, which kind of, I thought, to me, represented how slow of a start it's been. But you had some really interesting stuff in there. Uh, what is so intriguing about where the Royals sit uh, this season with the eighth pick in the draft? It's a bad spot. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's funny because we talk about, we joke about this every year, that if the Royals pick fifth, there's four players. If the Royals pick seventh, <laughs> there's six players. If they, and and there's like six or seven guys who you want. So, I mean, yes, somebody could theoretically potentially fall. Uh, it's It's very possible. But they're in a spot that, Ah, it's just not the best. Um, I mean, there are some really top-end talents who, like um, Dylan Cruz, is going to go number one. I would, uh, unless, I don't know, unless the Pirates do something absolutely silly, he's going on the top. So that's fine. Um, There's some other interesting guys. Max Clark is an interesting prep outfielder who I think is going to go before them. Maybe he falls. Walter Jenkins similar i don't think he gets that far but then then there's some interesting names you know like chase dollander from tennessee he's kind of risen up the, the draft boards a little bit um person waldrop from florida i mean i i can understand why those fans might be concerned about another florida pitcher but um he, he's the guy they could go with there's one name i really don't like enrique bradfield jr i just don't think he can i don't think it's bad enough to make it to the big leagues he could play center field in the big leagues right now but anything else I don't think um, so they're in an interesting spot I wonder a little bit and like I wrote I wonder if they go the lower money pick and at, at eight to try to get somebody who maybe they can draft over slot a little bit at what are they 36 something like that whatever whatever their second pick is um, I wonder if they go that route. And in that case, you could look at, you could see a high school pitcher similar to what they did with Mozicato the other, or a couple of years ago when they ended up taking Kuderna in the second round. Interesting. Mozicato is dominating right now and Kuderna is pitching poorly, but that was, that was the process there. So they're in a, they're in an interesting position. Well, we'll see. It's April 24th. There's what a month left of the college season. Um, High school season's about over, but you know maybe maybe there's some helium for somebody. Well, last thing to finish up, David. As always, your player of the week. A little tougher of a week, maybe to pick this week. But uh, who are you going with? Uh, nobody. No, I, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, normally, you look at the at the hitters. Um, pitching is tough for a week to week basis. I mean, Jordan Lyles was the only guy with more than five innings for this team <laughs> last week. So. I mean, I guess you could say I rolled as Chapman because he was good in like three innings. But you look at the hitters, um, the two best were Matt Duffy and Framil Reyes with 15 plate appearances and eight, respectively, because Reyes was out on paternity leave this past week. I, I mean, I guess the answer is, I don't know, Vinny or Bobby again, because <laughs> they, were both the, they were both above average, which... Uh, the only other two, MJ Melendez had four RBIs, but I, I guess we'll go with Bobby Witt because he played solid defense also. Um, but the answer really is anybody who watched those games because, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you if you did. Fun. Saturday was a really fun game, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get a little comeback action there. All right, well, David, appreciate the time as always, man. Subscribe inside the crown. Appreciate it as always. Talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Eric.
All right, that's David Lesky inside the crown joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays, then two RCST trivia matchups coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, 4 o'clock hour here on Rock Shock Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we got RCST Trivia starting in about 20 minutes from right now. But first, we got to get to our Case of the Mondays. And first up on Case of the Mondays is Aaron Rodgers. So we talked earlier in the show, Aaron Wait, Rodgers. what? You got traded to the Jets. Case of the Mondays? He should be happy, right? He got yeah, traded well, he got finally traded to, to the, the team place he wanted, he to, go to. wanted to go to. Well, here's why. Case of the Mondays. Uh, back in January... Zach Wilson, the former starter, former first-round pick, now backup. We can we're safe to assume, right? <laughs> I, I would think. Uh, backup to Aaron Rodgers says he'll make practice hell for veteran starting quarterback candidates. Oh boy, what have you walked into, Aaron? Yikes! What do you think that means? He's gonna be like pranking him. Well, I think Aaron Rodgers needs to be careful if he pursues any girlfriends or anything that Zach Wilson might try to steal them if they're much older. You know, <laughs> that's what he does. Here's a real question, though. What do the Jets do with Zach Wilson? Uh, I mean, if, like, if anybody wants to what, trade okay, for him. So best case scenario, you have Aaron Rodgers for, what, three years? Yeah. That's probably best case. Right. Three more years? Two more years? So obviously, he's not your long-term solution. So what do you do? I mean, at that point, Zach Wilson will have been in the league for like six years. Yeah, so at that obviously, point. Obviously, you know what he is. Right, and at that point, he'll have surpassed his rookie deal. So are you really going to... Like extend him, right? Potentially, no. So, so no, he, he's not part of the future. If any, if if anybody is interested, yes, because they still have Mike White, also. Right. Do you think anybody will be that interested, though? Probably not. Like maybe no. some team is like, hey, we'll take a risk on him as a sixth round. Like if I if I'm the Chiefs, and they're like, hey, we'll give him to you for a seventh. Dak Wilson? Yeah. You do that, right? Why? BYU connection with Andy Reid to be your, your backup of the future. and uh, Like, here's my thing. With Andy Reid... Yeah, but does Zach Wilson want to be the backup of the future? Well, he's got to be. He's a backup where, right now. Yeah, but he probably th- still thinks he has a chance to be a well, star. Well, this is my view of it. Andy Reid has had enough success turning backup quarterbacks into draft picks. Like, remember Kevin Cobb? Yes. He was the backup to, was it like Mike Vick or something with the Eagles and Andy Reid? Uh, Kevin yes. Cobb comes in there for like two games and plays well. And they ended up trading Kevin Cobb for like a second round pick. I'm just sitting there like, okay, well, what if they brought in Zach Wilson? He was Patrick Mahomes' backup for two years. And in the second year, he like goes off in a preseason game. And then the Chiefs trade him for a third round pick. I would prefer Blaine Gabbert as my backup than Zach Wilson. I, I don't know. Really? The guy <laughs> went to Missouri. Wow. That's growth. Um, I don't know. Whatever. I, I, I don't think it... Uh, like, I, I don't mean, think they're going to get much They more. trade him this year? Next year? Like if Again, if anybody's interested, if well anybody offers now? them, like, even a 
fourth round pick, I think they probably jump on it. But Plus, I don't know. Plus, I mean, that if he's going to make there. it hell for Aaron Rodgers, you want to get rid of him then. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But that's the thing. If somebody offers you a seventh round pick, you're probably sitting there like, no, that's not worth it for us either. Like, so I, I don't think he's going to yeah. get traded. I think he's just okay. going to be sitting there. He's just going to wallow away on the bench. Yes, exactly. Uh, future NFL teams are having a case of the Monday. Some future NFL teams, I should say. Uh, today on uh, Spotrack, they released the projected 2024 NFL cap space based on projected salary cap of, uh, I believe, $235 million. The New Orleans Saints have negative $78 million. <laughs> Not ideal there. But I think they can... I, I, like, Can't they? Taysom Hill has been on some weird contract yeah, forever. Yeah, he's making like, like a that, billion like, dollars. That like $40 million or yeah. something right there. Yeah. Uh, the Browns are at minus $75 million, which that's interesting because... Because of the Deshaun Watson. Yes, thing. exactly. So yeah. I'll be interested to see how they work around that. Uh, the Dolphins are at minus $63 million, so they're going to be getting to a point where the Tyreek Hill contract is like, okay, it's going to cause us to lose other good players. Yeah. This is the most interesting one, though, as it pertains to the Chiefs, and I think just honestly overall. Because the Saints are like, eh, they're an average team, whatever. Like yeah, like whatever. average. The Saints, sure. yeah. The Browns. The Browns. They kind of Browns. Talk. And yeah. the Dolphins, uh, like, it but just it, makes sense, is, I guess. Okay, is the Dolphins' window closed? That's pretty sad if it is. If it's this year a bust. It was last year, this year a bust. That's tough for them. Uh, but anyway, uh, the LA Chargers are at negative $67 million. Mm, that is interesting. But what makes it even more interesting, it's not just the fact that they're a team that like people all the time have picked above the Chiefs and that they could be, you know, they, they have the quarterback to at least hang yeah, around. Literally right? every year they right. get picked above the Chiefs and then they suck. It's that they're at negative $67 million. Before they've even extended Justin Herbert. That seems bad. That is bad. That seems really bad. Now, obviously... Well, it makes sense. I mean, think about it. They constantly are bringing in, like, superstar-level guys, and they mm -hmm. either get hurt or are old or just suck. On the yeah. defense, especially. Well, it's like, like the defense. I, I guess you could do some salary cap magic where, since you're so far over next year, you basically extend Herbert, and he's only making, like, what, $5 million next year, and then the majority of the money comes later. But then that's just going to yeah. screw him later. Yes. I, I'm sure they have a lot of guys that they can cut I mean, think too. about it. They have like Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Jalen Ramsey. They brought in uh, Everett, right? Mm -hmm. And then he tore his ACL. Yeah. Yeah. So like they've brought in a bunch of guys and paid them a lot of money and it just hasn't panned out. Well, that's what, what's going to end up happening. And it's not even like they've had a top three defense in the league. No. In, in 2024, they're going to get to a point where they just have to cut all these guys. Like... Uh, They'll have to cut a Khalil Mack or they'll have to cut a Joey Bosa or a Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or multiple of these guys on this list. Like, that's going to be bad for them. So, yeah, it, it well, feels this, like I mean, this could be this could explain why they are exploring trying to trade Eckler now. Yeah, that makes right? sense. Like that, that could be a part of it. But that's a problem for that. I mean, the same vein as, as the Dolphins, where it's like we had this great opportunity with this quarterback. On, I guess they still have this year uh, yeah. with the quarterback on a rookie deal who's really good. And we have a lot of talent around him. It and feels just, like they've missed their best chance. Yes. Now, I will say, I think they're in a better position than Dolphins because Justin Herbert's better than Tua. Like, yeah, probably for sure. a pretty wide margin. Mm -hmm. So, like, they still have a decent chance to maybe, you know, put it together for one year. Herbert has a great year. And, you know, whatever. Mahomes has a, has a quote-unquote down year or something, and they're able to somehow make it through, I guess, or whatever. But, but yeah, I mean, it just goes back to the discussion we've had about Josh Allen. Is Justin Herbert ever going to make the Super Bowl, let alone win it? Is he ever even going to be there? It almost sounds absurd to be like, oh, Justin Herbert might be a top five quarterback. He'd never make the Super Bowl. But, like, it's hard, man. But, like, again, you look at the AFC. You know, with Herbert, look at all the quarterbacks. With, with Herbert and Allen, and now I guess Aaron Rodgers, 
right? Like that means you're in the playoffs. Yeah. You're going to have to beat one of Mahomes, Burrow, Allen or Herbert, one or the other, plus maybe Rodgers just to make the Super Bowl. Right. You might have to beat I mean if you're if you're think about it, if the Chiefs win the division, you have to beat possibly three Hall of Fame quarterbacks just to make the Super Bowl. Correct. Yes. So that's that's why I'm I keep saying like it's not that crazy it's that not, Josh Allen no. never wins the Super Bowl. It's not that crazy that Justin Herbert never wins the Super Bowl. No, I mean it's very hard. Very, I mean very you would hard. need like a year where one, you would need a year where like you know God forbid like Mahomes gets hurt or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like like he's actually out for the year or something happens like that. Maybe. I mean I, I mean I just don't see how it's possible. No, it's it's tough. Uh, by the way, for what it's worth, the Chiefs have plus forty six million dollars available, so that's positive. Okay, there we go. Brett Chris Jones. Brett, please. NBA stars staying healthy are having a case of the Mondays. Kawhi yeah, this Leonard. Is, this is kind of sad, actually. Yeah, I've been missing a bunch of games. Joel Embiid got injured. He missed, uh, although they got a big sweep, so they get some time to rest up. We'll see if he can. Uh, they, they said he's 50% for round two, which does kind of suck because they're playing a really good Celtics team. Uh, John Morant just had an injury. Giannis Antetokounmpo has been banged up. De'Aaron Fox is now doubtful for game five. He has like a fractured finger. There's injuries plenty, man. It's almost like load management doesn't do anything. I know. That's a, that's the funniest part of this. Uh, nobody is like a bigger load management guy than <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. And, and he's just injured in the playoffs for... Every year. The, like every year, yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah, we've I honestly mean, gone too far. I, I do you, think okay, there is... Do you remember... Did you see... I think I may have brought this up to you. I don't know. I think I brought it up to you off air, though. There was an ESPN story a while back put together that was basically like... Load management is stupid. It doesn't work. And, like, the reason why these guys get hurt is because they all specialize in basketball starting at, like, age 12. And that's why, like, they have more. That's why there's more injuries now than in, like, the 80s, 90s, whatever. So, like, basically, it was like, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. But the ESPN article is basically like, hey, there's more injuries in the NBA while load management is increasing. So, clearly, like, load management is not working slash not. It's, like, not the issue. And then it went in and talked about how. Uh, specialization they, is like maybe the reason why you know or like or basically like when you're playing AAU circuit ball plus like your high school ball at age 15 so you're playing you know basketball 365 days a year that like contributes to why hmm. you have more injuries when you get to like your 20s that is interesting um, yeah I definitely need to check out that article and I think that you know for me I almost view it as like like, obviously, there are certain days where if you are hurt, like, take it off. Or if you're even, like, if it's like, ah, I could play through it, but it is kind of a bad injury. Like, okay, that's understandable. It's the days where it's just, like, you're resting. Because here, I, I understand these are different sports and stuff. But, like, imagine somebody who is running a marathon, you know, and, and you go up to them and you're like, oh, how's your training for your marathon doing? And they're like, well, I decided not to run this week. Needed load management. It'd be like, is that going to help you with the race? Probably not. No, no, you need to train for it. And so yeah. there is a part of me that wonders, like, are, are, like, is there something to the tune of you build up an endurance well, by playing in more games? And you like, know? let's just say, obviously, it's not working right now. Like, like I said, load management obviously is not something that works. Yeah, or is and like, like the fox or like that has nothing to do with it. Like he played you know, all yeah. the games to finger, you know. Yeah, but, but like, I guess I should, a better way to put it would be that load load management is obviously not like the end all be all for no, like helping. It's not a guys solution that just automatically automatically works. Yeah. Yes. Dylan Brooks is having a case of the Mondays. He will also Dude, be appearing is, in a later segment. This is hilarious. <laughs> uh, so in the game. Doris Burke, who so, was I'm the, sure everyone knows the backstory at this point. To the yeah, we talked about last with week. The Lakers. Yeah, he yeah. basically called out LeBron and doesn't and respect got, him. And until then he got clowned party. on. Yeah. 
So Doris Burke said this about Dylan Brooks during the broadcast. He doesn't bring athleticism to the floor. He obviously doesn't bring shooting to the floor. She was just like making a point, just like <laughs> roasting him. And then after the game, the Grizzlies lose. They're now down two games to one to the Lakers. He declined an interview request. I ain't talking, he told me. Yeah, I think that stems more from the LeBron stuff. Yeah. And then he, and then I, he went on to cry more somewhere else. Somebody, eventually he gave an interview to somebody and he was like, Oh, why is everyone making me the villain? I don't get it. Why am I the villain? Bro, what What do you mean? What? You're well, the one that did it to yourself. We'll talk more about that in a later. You got to embrace that, man. Okay, Alabama quarterback position, case of the Mondays. You lose Bryce Young, Heisman-level quarterback, Heisman-winning quarterback, and now this year you have competitors for the job. The top two QBs who are most competing for the job in the spring game combined to go 31 of 63. That is below 50%. They had two touchdowns to three interceptions. Also not good. You know what this feels like to me, though? What? It feels like they're going to have like a, like a, uh, I don't know, like a, like a Mac Jones or like a Greg McElroy level guy. AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron. Yeah. Uh, It's like kind of bad, but then they just still win the national game manager. You got everything else around you. I mean, what if, what if this is actually just, no, this is actually the Alabama defense is that good. You know, like they won't play a defense this good the rest of the year. (laughs) They'll be okay. Uh, But I, I do wonder if we're, because that's been the thing of why what has taken like the Alabamas of the world to the next level here recently is that they don't just have the dominant defense and running game. They've had the really good quarterback with Tua and Bryce Young and stuff. So if they go back to having that game manager, yeah. obviously they'll still be really good. Is they'll it a different win, era you know, of college games. football? You don't think they'll be you don't think they'll be that good? No, I'm I'm saying like they'll still probably make the playoff and stuff, but maybe it'll be the difference of them being able to get upset one time that we don't expect. You know, that that yeah. one extra difference that, that creates a little bit of But LSU beat them this year with Bryce Young. Yeah, that's true. So maybe they maybe they'll be terrible this year. Six and six? Yeah. All right, cool. The fall the downfall of Alabama. <laughs> uh Colorado football is experiencing a case of the Mondays. They have now lost 42 scholarship players since the start of 2022. I think I saw somewhere that they're set to have 63 first-year Colorado players right now for next season. In total, they have now lost 14 scholarship players just today. And the most notable... just today? Yes. Wow. Just the most notable, Chase Sowell. Sowell? I don't don't know. Uh, He went off in the spring game for Colorado at receiver, had over 150 yards, and... The game, because of how much hype CU is getting with Deion Sanders, was televised on ESPN. So everybody's watching this. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people are watching this <laughs> more than like a normal spring game, I should say. And they're like, wow, this guy's really good. He entered the transfer portal one day later. Man. Well, I think this is kind of a situation of like, you make your bed and now you lie in it. Like, there was the video of Deion Sanders, like, you know, meeting the team for the first time, basically being like, oh, if you suck, then just leave, whatever, like, now that's happening, and so you're just kind of, that's just kind of how it goes, but listen, this is what Deion Sanders is building, so I think if you're a Colorado or a Colorado fan, like, you kind of just have to ride this out and let, let Deion cook, I guess, and see yeah. what he see what he's cooking in the kitchen, I don't know. I guess, it's it's one thing to me to see, like, a team of college basketball where it's, like, 13 guys and you have four returners no, and you're nine right. new it's a, players. It does, it's a lot different. It's tougher it's lot in different. football, I feel like, with the chemistry, with the amount of teamwork that requires at all the positions yeah exactly the strength and conditioning side of it that we'll see how that goes in year one I I do think Deion Sanders actually will get it righted in the right way at some point but 
Uh, that is a tough thing to do in year one for the program, although they've been like terribly bad. So I guess it's it's a very <laughs> low bar to, to beat for this year. For them, they'll probably be better than they were last year, I guess. Uh, the last yeah. one is Houston Texans fans. Okay, so this morning, the Houston Texans tweeted this. It was a photo of like somebody catching a, a Texans player catching a ball. Blacked out. Here's the caption. Failure is not an option. It's a necessity. Every misstep is a lesson learned. Every setback, a chance to grow stronger. Embrace the struggle and become unstoppable. And it was in like this weird goth font. And like, I just, I just, what are we doing? What are we doing? If you're a Texas fan and you see this, what, like, how do you come back from this? I don't even know what this is. And then later on, actually got it better. Later on this afternoon, the Jaguars trolled them even harder. They posted the same thing and like they trolled him. It was it was hilarious. That's great. So I don't know I don't know what we're doing here, uh, Texan social media team. But if I were a Texans fan, I would just be head in hands. Just what? I would I not make me it. feel better that right now the betting favorite to go second in the draft is Will Levis. <laughs> really? So that yeah, that's not good either for them. Yeah. All right, that is our case of the Mondays. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have two matchups for RCST Trivia. Trivia! Our first matchups of 2023 for the fourth edition of RCST Trivia. Those coming at you next. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we are finally here. It is time for the return of RCST Trivia, our fourth edition of this thing here in 2023. We have two matchups coming at you today. Plenty more to come at you over the coming weeks. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River Rat Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. And uh, thank you to all our title sponsors here, Pella Windows and Doors. Next trivia question, what Windows and Doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned and operated Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state from Lawrence to Dodge City. We're also brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's is celebrating its 70th anniversary, and that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more about the 70th anniversary at the original location in North Lawrence where you can be a part of the neighborhood porch. to you by River Rat Print and Skate. River Rat has screen printing and a skate shop, embroidery and promotional products available with art and logo creation and their KU license. And we're also brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, a great spot to watch every game at the 23rd Street Brewery. Check out the uh, outdoor patio, perfect for the heating up weather. You can even bring your dog out there at the 23rd Street Brewery. All right, with that said, let's get into our first matchup of the year between Mike and Lane. So our six seed, Mike Colton, our 11 seed, Lane Gillespie. This is out of the Pella Windows and Doors region, which is our top right region. Winner of this will face the winner of Kyle and Spencer. Uh, so, Mike, we'll start with you. You're the six seed. You have gone. Uh, you have made a second round one time in your trivia past. You're seven and three on trivia questions. Uh, as you get ready for this edition, have you done anything different than in your past renditions of RCST trivia? Not really, just... Studied a little bit and surprised I'm a six seed actually because my success hasn't been that good. But I guess I've wowed you guys enough. Well, I think your best performance was the first ever one you joined, correct? I remember you winning your first round game. I think you answered a hard or a really hard question correctly. Um, 
has there been any questions that you've missed or, or over past years that stick out in your mind that you always will remember? Like, oh, man, how did I get that wrong? Yeah, I missed on a set of brothers, I think, was one of them. So, I, uh, the, um, so yeah, I'll definitely know the <laughs> sets of brothers that are played <laughs> at Kansas together. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Lane, this is your first edition in RCST Trivia. You, you used to be my producer and co-host, so like, do you feel like you have an, an inside edge here? Uh, well, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't do a whole lot of studying, but uh, I do. Um, you know, I was a Jayhawk fan growing up, just about everybody else here that's on this uh, tournament. So uh, I'm hoping to use my knowledge with that. And, uh, you know, I hope I have the edge. But we'll see. You're an 11 seed. I'm a lower seed here, so we'll see. Yeah, I was gonna say you're an 11 seed. Do you feel like you're underseeded at all? Um, I think I'm just about where I need to be. You know, um, just given my trivia knowledge, and uh, you know, obviously this is my first time as well. But uh, I think I'm. I think I'm in a good spot. There's been a lot of 11-6 upsets, so we'll see. There has. All right, Nick. Cue the music. The rules once again as uh, our first edition of RCST Trivia for the year. We'll go back and forth answering questions in the same difficulty. Both get it right. We move up. Both get it wrong. We stay or move down. One of you gets it right. One of you gets it wrong. It's single elimination. It's over, just like the NCAA tournament. Um, You have 30 seconds to answer a question. We'll let you know when you have 10. There will be a buzzer we have when there's five seconds left. And uh, the worst seed, which would be Lane, he is the 11, gets the choice. Would you rather go first or would you rather go second? I'll go second. All right. We, uh, have not found a huge correlation with it's been pretty even with who goes first and second with uh who ends up winning in the trivia competition all right so lane's gonna go second that means mike is gonna go first so our first question of trivia 2023 mike this is really easy in may of 2013 this number one overall recruit committed to kansas and was a one-and-done wing nicknamed maple jordan What's his name? Andrew Wiggins. That is correct. As I uh, go to run a pen, grab a pen real quick. But yes, that is correct. Andrew Wiggins, the correct answer there. All right, you're one for one. Lane, first question for you. What's the name of Wiggins' former freshman teammate and center who was also his NBA All-Star teammate recently? Uh, a guy who I think has been snubbed for the MVP in the past. That would be Joel Embiid. That is correct. And who knows? Maybe he won't get snubbed this year. This could be his year. Hopefully he gets healthy, though, for the uh, playoffs here. All right, really easy. Knocked him out of the park. We love to see that. On to the easy round. Mike, back to you. What is the furthest that Tyshawn Taylor ever made it in the NCAA tournament? Tyshawn Taylor. One year deal. I will go Elite Eight. As unfortunately incorrect, Tyshawn Taylor was on the 2012 team that played for the national championship. So runner up or in national title game would have been the correct answer there. All right, Lane, you got a chance to get a uh, quick win here in round one. Question for you. What is the furthest that Drew Gooden ever made it in the NCAA tournament? Oh, gosh. Um, see, this was before my time. 
uh, since I'm a very young guy, he was I was basically a baby when he played. Um, I'm gonna go with Final Four. That is correct. Drew Gooden was on the team that made the Final Four as a junior, but then he left early to go pro, did not play on the team the next year that played for the national title game. And just like that, Lane, you get a first-round victory in your first-ever appearance of RCST Trivia. So, Lane, take me through that question there. A big roar of applause from the crowd here. Um, was, was that a complete guess? Was it an educated guess? Did you feel good about it? Uh, that was more educated just because I was thinking in my head, I believe he played in the 2002 Final Four team, but uh, I couldn't remember if he left before then or not. I know he didn't play in 03, but uh, it was just more 2002 was in my head. So I was thinking, did he play that year? If he did, Final Four. So I just went with Final Four. Well, Mike, you went out on the Tyshawn Taylor. Was that one that when you heard the answer like oh he played for the 2012 title team how could I forget that or was that one that you just wouldn't have got around to no I had uh, Jamari Teal on my line yeah that'll do it that'll do it there uh, well Mike I, I, I love having you on this every year and I'm, I'm sorry you go out early and we don't get to talk to you a little bit more over the course of this tournament right. but we hope we get you back next year is that in the plans to, to come back next season hopefully we'll see I mean that's on the schedule and everything and uh See how many guys I get coming back to uh, try to try to get out of that first round uh, hex I seem to have after that first year. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll get through it. We'll we'll get through that wall eventually. Yeah, you got to exercise some demons. Maybe hit up the transfer portal this off season. Lane, yeah. you're moving on to round two. You're going to be taking on Hunter Dick Dickinson. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike's looking for Hunter in, in the portal right now. Lane, you're uh you're still going on now. You're moving on to round two to face the winner of Kyle and Spencer. Do you have any words for anybody moving forward or uh, any thoughts overall on your first matchup? Um, not going to lie, the easy question was a little harder than I thought it would be, but, uh, you know, I, I made it through and uh, I guess I'm happy to make it through. Um, do your research. I guess that's that's uh, that's my advice. Yeah, we definitely, the, the easy, medium, and hard, it's, Sometimes it's fluid, like an easy one can be closer to medium, a medium can be closer to hard, a medium could be closer to easy. It's more about can we try to make them equal on the same pairing of questions with each other. So uh, hopefully we did that enough. And uh, in the end, Lane, you come up with a victory. Good work, guys. Lane, we'll see you in a couple weeks. So our first trivia matchup in the books and uh, ends a little bit earlier than you might have thought. Lane, with the first two questions correctly, he'll move on to the second round. Um, you, the prizes start coming in in the sizzling 16. And by the way, our prizes, I don't know if we've uh, fully shared all these. So if you make the sizzling 16, you're going to get a gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, an RCST trivia t-shirt from River at Print and Skate, and tickets to a Sporting KC2 game. If you make it to the grade eight, you're going to get a blue or white number one Kansas basketball mini jersey from mini jerseys, a T-shirt from Home Field Apparel, KU T-shirt, I should say, a voucher for a free sandwich and a free breakfast sandwich at McDonald's, a $14 car wash pass at Mr. D's Auto Wash, and auto entry into 2024 trivia. If you make the phenomenal four, you're getting a $50 gift card to Johnny's Tavern. You're getting a Johnny's Tavern hat. You're getting a RCST trivia phenomenal four T-shirt and an RCST trivia 
hat with a Phenomenal Four logo from River at Print and Skate. You're getting a Phenomenal Four trophy from Jayhawk Trophy, and you're guaranteed a one seed in 2024 RCST Trivia. You make it to the title game. You're getting another gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. You're getting an engraved water bottle or tumbler from Jayhawk Trophy, and you're getting a $25 gift card to McDonald's. Then you uh, win the third place game. You're getting either of those of what the title winners got, gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and McDonald's, engraved water bottle tumbler from Jayhawk Trophy. And if you win the whole thing, you get a big screen TV from 23rd Street Brewery. You get the RCST Trivia Championship Trophy. You get lifetime entrance into RCST Trivia. We might have another prize in there dealing with an overnight stay at a hotel. I think we're still finalizing that out. And most importantly, you gain forever respect from uh, all your peers and me and Nick. Which is most important. Yes, which uh, without a doubt is, uh, yeah, most important. Forget the big screen TV. It's about (laughs) respect. It is. So uh, Lane wins a quick one there. Uh, What do you think? Do you think Lane's got potential to, to make a deep run here? Yeah, I don't know. I Okay, to be honest, as I was going through this, I thought that those easy questions you had were more on the medium side, so I was not surprised. I that, definitely think uh, they're on the more medium side of easy, right? Yes, it's like medium, 100%. medium, rare. Yes, you so know. I was not surprised that they kind of tripped up uh, Mike. And even Lane, I I wasn't sure you if You would agree they were that. the same difficulty, though, right? They were, yes, yeah, okay. same difficulty, yes. But I wasn't sure if, I wasn't sure if Lane was going to know that one either. So mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely an interesting matchup. So, you know, a low-scoring matchup to start. First game jitters from from both teams, you know. So, but yeah, other, otherwise an exciting matchup, and uh, I <clears throat> I'm curious with Lane. You know, when we have guys in this in this competition that are younger, like even like someone like me, I'm pretty young. Uh, I, I'm always curious how they handle a lot of our questions that go back dating into deeper cave history, if, and that I think really demonstrates whether or not people are doing their research or not, studying ahead of time because. This is RCSD trivia, which spans, which KU basketball spans 125 years at this point. So you really have to know or have at least, you know, a surface level knowledge of that entire time period, I think, to be successful. So I was really interested in that. Lane got that question in which I I think in 2002, in 2002, I was like four and Lane's (laughs) younger than I am. So he was even younger. So, uh, yeah, good job there by Lane. All right. Well, we have one more trivia matchup today. The bulk of the matchups are going to come uh, throughout the week here. It'll be between our seven seed Eli Loney and our 10 seed Pete Akers in the 23rd Street Brewery region. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you our main title sponsors, Pella Windows and Doors, Johnny's Tavern, River App Print and Skate, and 23rd Street Brewery. We'll be back for more trivia after this. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Trivia on FM 1017. 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app, or the Best of RCST podcast. All right, our second matchup of the day here for RCST Trivia. Once again, we are brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River Rat Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. Our two opponents in our matchup number two are Eli Loney, who is the seven seed, and Pete Akers, who is the 10 seed. They're in the 23rd Street Brewery region, which is our region in the top left. So the winner of this will take on the winner of Garrett and Kyle. And uh, for Eli, this is your third appearance in trivia. You, you've yet to get that first win, but you've, you've impressed in the questions. That's why even without a trivia advancement, you are a seven seed, six and two on questions. You went to the really hard round last year with the three seed in Kyle Martin before just falling a bit short. H- have you done a little extra studying this year or have you just taken last year's momentum of even though it was a, a loss, a close loss to feeling better about how you're going to do this year? Uh, we're just focused on the success. You know, sometimes the boosters, they're not uh, real happy with us not getting a dub in the uh, postseason. But, 
I know what the guys behind me got and uh, hoping we can deliver the university a dub today. Love it. Well, Pete, this is your first edition of RCST Trivia. Um, so uh, take me through. What What is your level of KU fandom? How do you think you're going to fare in this? Um, I think I'll fare okay. Uh, I had over the last year, I've just randomly had the opportunity to absorb a few things that I didn't know uh, just about some Lawrence and KU and yeah, a lot of different things over the last year. So I'm an alum, lived here, you know, over 20 years, had season tickets this year. I don't know. I, I'm pretty well-rounded. I know some of the old stuff too, so we'll see. Yeah, and it's always fun because that's the beauty of this and kind of the frustration. At times it can be a little random. Somebody could know something that somebody doesn't know. And, oh, yeah. you know, somebody. it doesn't necessarily mean if you advance, they didn't know your stuff. You just might have been a uh, weakness for you. It just depends how the questions roll out for you. Um, so, uh, Pete, for, for those that can't watch, uh, you, you have – you know, in your background, you're wearing KU gear and everything. You got the KU background. Do you have a favorite KU item in your room? Oh, I do. It's so over this shoulder, my great uncle Harry is Bell 37 in the Campanile, um, Harry Acres. So I have the program to the dedication of the Campanile from 1951. Wow. I like that one. That's probably my favorite thing. That's awesome. Yeah, That's sweet. Yeah, that yeah. is. Uh, so no, Eli, 37. Eli, That's my first loss of the day. Yeah, got me beat there. <laughs> <laughs> got your beat. Not as much decorations. Um, so let me ask you: You're playing a first timer. Does that make you a little more nervous, knowing that you don't have a scouting report on Pete? You know, they. Uh, what I've taught myself over my uh, two years of failure is that you're ultimately not playing the other person; you're just playing the question. Much there you like go. in golf, you're not playing anybody else; you're just playing the course. Love it. All right. Well, let's get that's a, that's a good mentality yeah, to have. That is a good one. All right. Well, let's get into it. Once again, we're going to answer back and forth questions from really easy all the way to really hard. If we get there, 30 seconds to answer. I'll let you know when you have 10. We have our timer that'll go when you have five. And uh, the worst seed gets the choice of with whether they'd rather go first or second. So that means, Pete, would you rather go first or rather go second? I'll go second. Okay. Second it is. And uh, that means, Eli. You are up first. Our second matchup of 2023 RCST Trivia. Let's cue the music and get into it. 7 seed Eli Loney, 10 seed Pete Akers in the 23rd Street Brewery region. First up in the really easy column. For you, Eli, a transfer from Arizona State. This point guard came off the bench to earn Midwest Region MOP, Most Outstanding Player for Kansas in the 2022 NCAA Tournament. What's his name? A little late in the evening, Remy Martin. <laughs> I like that, yeah. A little Bill Raftery reference there. Bonus point for that. Doesn't get you any uh, scoreboard points, but it does get our respect, that's for sure. All right, on to you, Pete. Your first ever trivia question. While Remy Martin came off the bench for that Kansas team, it was this point guard with a number three jersey who started at the position for KU. The three number three to the point guard for the 2022 team. That is correct. Oh, um, sorry, Dewan. Dewan Harris is the correct answer there, and boom, just like that. See, that is the beauty of trivia. That's the other thing. Once you once you get on the clock, you know, if I could just I could just walk up to you and I, if I would ask that question, you would have answered that in a second. You start getting yep. in your head a little bit. You start getting a little uh, worried with the clock and stuff. 30 seconds is no a doubt. good amount of time, but it's also shorter than you'd think. Yep. All right. 
On to round two. This is to the easy questions for you, Eli. On February 13th of 2017, Kansas overcame a 14-point home deficit in Lawrence with under four minutes to go and won in overtime against what Big 12 opponent? We're going to go with West Virginia. That is correct. West Virginia, the correct answer there. That's the one that everybody certainly remembers, that big comeback late in the game. KU down 14, and then they ended up winning in overtime. All right, Pete, for you, in that game, February 13th, 2017, Kansas has that 14-point comeback against West Virginia with under four minutes to go. They win in overtime. What senior point guard led Kansas that day with 24 points? Frank Mason. That is correct. Obviously, a lot of good players on that team, but Frank Mason was the correct answer. It's a tricky question because you might think Devontae. Right. The keyword there is senior. The keyword there is senior. All right, on to the medium round. Both of you guys 2-0. Good start for us. Back to Eli we go. Name this KU assistant coach who took over as interim head coach when Bill Self was suspended the first four games of the 2022-23 season. Uh, another point for respect. He has more Quadrant One wins than North Carolina did this year. Correct answer is Norm Roberts. Well, <laughs> that one was suck at Carolina. Yeah, that one was rude, man. Hubert Davis, what did he great. do to you? That's a great stat. I love that. Went to North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eli, putting the pressure on you, Pete, to stay alive in the medium round. Name this KU assistant coach who was suspended alongside Bill Self early in the season for those first four games. Uh, oh, my God. I'm going to kill myself with not knowing this guy's name. I can see him. Hey, coach, talk to him a million times. I can't remember. I can't pull his name. You got plenty of time. You got plenty okay. of time. Um, hmm. Ten seconds. Yep. Lob something out there. Uh, Paul Lindicott. Well, I, I like the I like the guess of a uh, old time KU that's legend. Cool. Yeah, that is uh, <laughs> that's quite the guess there. The correct answer is one Curtis Townsend. Townsend. Oh. Mm. All right, so, but see, this is good experience for you because I think you know your stuff. I think you're going to be somebody who hopefully comes back to trivia and does well. Do you see this experience? Can you understand what other the, the contestants are going through where maybe if you're listening on the radio, you're going, oh, I knew that. But then when you're actually in the moment, you're like, oh, man, you have the pressure. You're feeling it. Man, I've been on game shows, so I fully appreciate that. It's ridiculous, the difference between just listening and being like a participant. It's entirely harder, completely different. So much respect to my man for advancing his first time. I'll be back. Yep, and and you can do what Eli did this year. He, he got over the hump. He got that first win, and now we're excited to see how far Eli can make it. Uh, Eli, you got the first win. What's the celebration going to be like today? Hey, we're going to celebrate for 24 hours and then uh, focus on the next opponent. <laughs> yeah, you, you could be playing a two-seed in the next round. You never know. There could be an upset there, but um, th- what do you think of your draw? What do you think of your seed b- before the tournament? Uh, You know... I was a little slighted by it. I feel like I'm a little better than seven seed. I, I know I got a, I got question five potential in me. So uh, two seeds better uh, be looking out here. 
but uh, I think it's about time that I didn't run into a, bu- a buzzsaw in my first round <laughs> matchup. Yeah, there we go. Sometimes that's just how it goes. Well, Pete, we look forward to seeing you next year. I know you're going to do better. Eli, glad to see you moving on to the second round, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Good luck, man. Rock chalk. Rock chalk. So we made it to the medium round. It's positive. Yeah. Trending yeah. in the right direction. That means our next matchup will go to uh, the hard round. Potentially the hard round. If we keep that up. Um, so I, I think Eli does have staying power. I think yeah. there is a chance. Uh, Garrett's really good. He made the grade eight in his first appearance last year. We'll see what. I mean, his opponent, Kyle, is a newcomer. So that that's always a wild card. Listen, I have a sneaking suspicion that, that Pete's going to make a run next year. I really do. I do, too. I, I think I Pete's going to take this. I, I do, too. I, I think he knows his stuff. He's lived it for a while. I, I think next year he'll be back. He'll have a better understanding of how things go. Yep. Because that's the thing. I mean, some some like some like five seed is going to get him, and they're going to be like, oh, pfft, yeah. Pete. And then Pete's just going to he's going to go on a run. Like the experience does matter. You might think like, oh, it's just answering Kate. Like being in that moment, it matters. So like yes. I'm looking back last year, dude. Uh, it can be so easy to just totally blank yeah, on a guy's name. It really like that. is. It really is. Like I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the grade eight last year. Eric and Andrew played in one of them. They were both uh, returners. Uh, Nick Schwert and Justin Nichols played in the other one, and in the case of of Nick Schwert, it was his first time as a contestant. But he's he's been around it before in terms of like yeah, he hosted the show with me. Yeah. So uh, Justin, he it was uh, multi appearance for him. Tyler last year made the grade eight. It was his second appearance. Garrett was a first timer. So was Ryan Brown and Doug Crumpton Murray. But that's five of the eight were returners, and I think the year before it was like seven of the eight were guys who returned from the yeah. year before. The, the experience does matter, and I think that paid yeah. off for you. And I, I think for some people, you know, you get a little taste like that, and maybe you didn't advance, but that makes you want to work even harder next year to try to advance further into the tournament. So 100%. it brings some extra. The, that experience also brings some extra uh, gusto for some of those uh, future, some of those returning guys. I don't know if I'm supposed to be making predictions. We had you make your predictions because I'm technically hosting this, so maybe oh, I shouldn't yeah. do this. But yeah, you're gonna probably uh, I'm gonna do it. Street card. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> okay, prediction. Eli makes it to the sizzling 16. Wow. Wow. There's the upset in the second round. Wow. So there should be some motivation for you, for Garrett those or Kyle. I will keep an eye on the questions to ensure that Derek does not uh, try to <laughs> no, rig it I, in any way. I have nothing to gain from that. I just, you know, the questions come out how they Listen, are. I said it before. This is this is a tournament of integrity. Yes, you got to maintain is. that. It is. That is true. All right. I, I retract that. Uh, <laughs> by the way, once again, 23rd Street Brewery. River at Print and Skate, Pella Windows and Doors, Johnny's Tavern. Though those are our title sponsors here for RCST Trivia of 2023, our fourth edition of the tournament. Thank you to all those title sponsors. We are going to take a time out here. When we come back, we'll be at the top of the five o'clock hour, and uh, we'll finish out the rest of RCST. We've got a new segment to debut later in the five o'clock hour: the stupid scale. So uh, be on the lookout for that. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, also known as RCST. You're listening on KLWN here in Lawrence. We've got a uh, fun week of sports schedule here between our station and uh, our sister station with 92.9 The Bull. Right now, actually, pregame has started up for our uh, high school baseball action going on today over on 92.9 The Bull and Bull929.com. That's with uh, LHS Baseball. We have a Hawk Talk coming at you tonight. That is Dan Fitzgerald for the KU baseball team at 6 here on KLWN. Tomorrow, we're going to have high school softball at 520 here on KLWN with first pitch at 530. 
And then Wednesday, we got KU Baseball 550, KU on the road at Wichita State. Thursday's High School Sports Weekly at 6 to 7 at Burgers by Biggs. Friday, we have KU Baseball at 620. They're uh, taking on Oklahoma, that on KLWN. And then they're also going to have games on Saturday and Sunday. We got a high school game on Saturday, too. So plenty loaded baseball and some other content week of sports here on KLWN. All right, we're going to debut a brand new segment here. (laughs) It is called the Stupid Scale. And on a scale of 1 to 10, Ten, stupid. I would give my one. Do you want to go one to stupid? Yeah, one to stupid. What is stupid? Like a ten? Stupid's a ten. Yeah. Okay. But you just say one to stupid. Well, Derek's mic just fell. Yeah, off which the is thing. I was gonna say this is a stupid on the scale of one to stupid. My mic just fell. Oh, great. Broken mic. Wonderful. All right, we're gonna power through. We are gonna power through. Uh, the stupid scale. What a day. First up, Dylan Brooks. We talked about this last week. He called out LeBron James. Said I don't respect anybody till they drop forty on me. And then. The Lakers beat the Grizzlies. Well, not only that, the Grizzlies scored nine points in the first quarter. Nine! Nine points! In 12 minutes of basketball. Nine points. In 12 minutes of professional basketball. (laughs) Um, So what would you give this? This is terrible. On a scale of... Oh, this is like a... This is like... Okay. Calling out LeBron James... Just in and of itself is like a solid seven, I think. <laughs> but then when you get into everything else, which we're about to get into, it increases. So what? get into the rest of it. Okay. Um, Dylan Brooks, speaking after practice the other day, said he thinks the perception of him influenced the flagrant two call in game three. Quote, the media making me a villain, the fans making me a villain, that just creates another persona on me. Okay. This combined this with could what be happened. a lie detector test. Yes. This combined with what happened with the LeBron James stuff makes it a stupid on the scale of one to stupid. <laughs> this is a 10 out of 10 stupid, okay? What is your problem? You're going to you're going to go at LeBron James, okay? Who at this point is pretty much universally loved, I would say. Like I know LeBron used to have a lot of haters, but yep. I feel like now that he's kind of older, most people are like, "Eh, you know, whatever, LeBron James," right? Like the 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 real hate for LeBron James, I feel like has kind of died down. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're going to go after LeBron James, okay? Say, oh, I'm not going to respect him until they put up 40. Then you get the crap kicked out of you in the in game three. You don't want to do interviews after the game. Then you come back with this sob story. Oh, people making me a villain. Why is everyone making me a villain? Because you were a villain. Nobody made you one. You just, you were one. Okay? So the combination... Of those two things equals stupid. Uh, very, very yeah, stupid. I agree with you. I think this is a max out stupid. This is a good one to start with. Um, yeah. All the memes going around of the who did this here, the that guy. Yep. The, yep. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what show that's from. What show was that from? I, I don't know. The, the hot dog show? It's, it's just like a skit guy? show. I, I forget uh, okay. the name of it. Um, and then uh, there was the there, there was the one meme of uh, the guy like, Shooting the same guy, and it's like himself. Um, and he's like, Yeah, there's Dylan Brooks. So, yes, this or like, is you know, that one meme where it's like the guy shoots the one guy, and then he's like, Why would why would they make me do this? Like, yeah. why would the media make yeah, why is yeah, the media doing one. this? That's the one I was talking about. Yeah, it's like, Why did Dylan Brooks make yeah, Dylan this? Brooks is do just this? A, a certified stupid on the stupid scale. Yes. You just it's just ridiculous. All right, Steph Curry. So, the Warriors were up, it was what four points? Yeah, it was 160, 126 to 122. With, I don't know, 30 seconds, something like that left. Under a minute. The Warriors have the ball. 
Steph Curry is like dribbling up the court on the right side. He gets into a double team, turns to the side, calls a timeout. The old Chris Webber, they didn't have any timeouts. <laughs> so it gives the ball back to the Kings, and De'Aaron Fox ends up canning a three. It's now a one-point game. Warriors miss their next shot. Harrison Barnes gets a wide-open three from the side to win the game. He ends up missing it, and the Warriors end up winning the game, but that almost cost them. So Steph Curry, stupid Yeah, stuff. because of the fact that they, that they didn't lose, I think this kind of there's almost a bell curve here of the stupid scale. Like, if they lose, obviously it's much But isn't worse. that results-oriented and not process-oriented? What do you mean? Like, you're not valuing the process. You're valuing the results. Well, on the stupid scale, yeah. That's okay. what I'm saying. Okay. Like, if if what you did was stupid, but the outcome was, like, pretty mitigated or whatever, or didn't really, or, you know, your stupidity didn't really, neg- like, significantly negatively affect the outcome... But it then, almost did. Okay, because like going back to the Dylan Brooks thing, his stupidity directly resulted in the Grizzlies getting their butts kicked. Okay? This case, what he did was stupid, yes, but Warriors end up winning the game. So I think this is like a four on the stupid scale. Also, I think the fact that Chris Webber already did it makes this not <laughs> as significant on the stupid scale. Like, like think about like the J.R. Smith thing with LeBron when they were in the finals or whatever. That was like a stupid on the stupid scale because that nothing had ever nothing like that had ever, had ever happened before. In this case, some this already there was already happened. You know, everyone remembers Bruce Chris Webber. In twenty years from now, is everyone going to remember Steph Curry? No, they're going to no. remember Chris Webber still because that was the first time it happened. So to me, that makes this like a four, three. three I'll go a six because I, I think do this is think, pretty stupid. Yeah, I think it's very stupid. I. I I didn't go all the way because I don't I'm surprised doubt that it doesn't happen a little more often, to be honest. Yeah. Well, that's just players have good awareness. But see, this is Steph Curry who's supposed to be like super, he, I mean, he is intuitive and aware and like he's such a good ball handler to get out of that situation just to begin with. So, yeah, I mean, that's it almost true. So you're factoring in the greatness of Steph Curry yeah. as like if this was some random guy that did this, it would maybe wouldn't yes. have been as high on the stupid skin. Yes. But because it's Steph Curry. Yeah. It's higher, higher expectations. Uh, DeJounte Murray, after the game, he was unhappy with the officials. The Celtics beat the Hawks to go up three games to one. DeJounte Murray bumped into a ref after the game, kind of confronted him and gave him the old, like, you know when you're walking down the same way somebody's walking the other way and you purposely don't get out of the way and you give him the little shoulder? That's what he (laughs) did to the ref. Today, he was actually suspended for game five, so that tells you the NBA's take on it. But uh, what is the level of stupidity there? Okay, this this is pretty stupid. Like, okay, listen. I don't understand how players don't get this through their heads that like you can be mad, you can say whatever you want and like it normally even if you just absolutely rip the officiating post game like the worst you're going to get is a fine, right? Like you normally aren't going to get suspended for just ripping it at some officials or whatever. But what I don't understand is how do they not know that the line is that you cannot physically interact or impede the officials in any way in an aggressive manner? Like, dude, just go in the locker room and say how bad they suck, and then you'll get fined like 10K, which yeah. is like $5 for you, <laughs> and then go play the next game, right? Like, why why would you even jeopardize this something like this by trying to, like, physically intimidate the, the ref? Just go in the locker room and yell about it there and get fined, and everything's, and nobody cares, okay? Yeah. So I, this, this is pretty stupid. I don't think it's a, a stupid out of stupid, like a 10 it's not out of stupid. stupid out of stupid. Because that would this, be like punching the ref yeah, or no, something, No, this is right? not a stupid out of stupid, but this is a solid it's like, like a seven or eight. Six or seven, yeah, I think. I mean, it's yeah. very clear rules. At least a six. Yeah, yeah. very, very clear, seven, clear rules. Seven, I would say. I'll go with oh. the seven. I'll yeah. go with the seven. 
Yeah, very. Yeah, I, I, again, I just don't understand. And this is not just in the NBA. This is across literally all professional sports. You should know at this point that officiating, first of all, it's bad. Okay, you just have to accept that it's bad. And then second of all, you need to know, or how do you not know at this point, that the one thing, that the one thing you can't do. Derek's trying to fix his mic, and it's just not working. The one thing, the one thing you can't do, is physically intimidate or uh, you know aggressively do anything physical with with the official. Like that's just that's number one thing you can't do. Yeah. With the officiating, right? Because again, who cares if you get fined twenty five k? You're making you know two million a game or whatever. So like, who cares? All right. One that you alluded to. The Chiefs taking a running back in the first round. Albert Breer on SportsIllustrated.com. He said the Chiefs are one of the few teams that has already made calls about moving up. And while teams that have talked to them feel like, at least for now, Kansas City has seen if it can find a discounted way to go up the board. Brett Veach and his crew aren't doing it for nothing. Targets. I've heard flowers connected to the Chiefs. The other name was Gibbs. That would be Jameer Gibbs, who is the uh, running back from Alabama. Now, Andy Reid's taken one running back in the first round in 24 drafts as a head coach, and that one, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, hasn't really worked out. Still, listening to other talk about Gibbs' fit with Mahomes and Reid can be convincing. I wouldn't want to be in the AFC West, said one NFC executive, if Gibbs winds up in Kansas City. If the Chiefs stay put, Tennessee's wide receiver Jalen Hyatt and Michigan's massive D-tackle Modsey Smith are two more to watch. Okay, so there's a lot to break down from that. First of all, we just talked about in the last segment, you're not a fan of Jalen Hyatt in the first round Well, he's on this list. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that. I, I don't think that's like a that's not criminally a, that a stupid, stupid thing. I'll, I'll put it like three, okay. two or three. I don't know. So let's dive into this running back talk. Yeah. All right. Taking Chiefs, a running back in the first round just to begin with, listen. I think gets you on the stupid scale. <laughs> um, Even now, like a Bijan Robinson? No, if Bijan Robinson was there at 31, I'd be like, okay, sure. Uh, so it's got to be somebody really, really special. Jameer Gibbs is not that guy. I think Jameer Gibbs is good. He's not that guy. Uh, two, this does not work with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Three, you have other needs if you're the Chiefs. Four, Isaiah Pacheco okay. looked good last year. I this would be a 8 out of 10 on the Super scale the for the Chiefs. Chiefs. Are the Chiefs getting, specifically. I think the Chiefs are going to be unfairly scrutinized slash criticized because of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I, like I think for the foreseeable future, like the next five to ten years, anytime a running back will gets mentioned about the Chiefs, people are going to hearken back to Clyde Edwards-Alaire and how it didn't work out. I don't think that's fair. No, that's I don't true. think that's necessarily fair. However, at this stage, if you're the Chiefs, like unless it's like unless Bijan Robinson falls to you at like 26 or you know late at the end of the first round. There's no reason for the Chiefs. And even Bijan Robinson, I don't even think that they'd really be a very good fit. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the problem so it's there, like, it's like, it's the opportunity cost. If you're taking Bijan Robinson, you're not getting a receiver or, uh, you know, offensive yes, lineman but or obviously, defensive but end. It doesn't really sound like need. he's going to be there. But, but So let's look at Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, I saw he averaged like over three yards per catch more than Clyde Edwards-Alaire did in college, which obviously the Chiefs like to throw to the running back and whatnot. So it, it makes some sense. But I just... I, I have to agree with you. I mean, it just... You have Isaiah Pacheco. You have other needs that are more pertinent to this team. And I just don't think... I mean, let's put it this way. Jameer Gibbs versus adding a, an edge pass rusher. Which one moves the needle more in terms of being able to win? It's well, the edge here's the, Exactly. Because look at the offense. You have Mahomes. Like... Yeah, adding a guy like Jameer and Nick Gibbs would be adding another weapon to the offense, but like, do you really need that? 
versus on the D-line, if you can't get pressure, that's bad. Okay, you know, I don't need to, you know, anybody can tell you that. So that's the bigger need right now. So I just, I, <clears throat> again, I do think the Chiefs are going to get unfairly scrutinized and unfairly criticized regarding running backs in the first round because of the Clyde edwards delay situation. But I do still think this is a, I won't go as high as eight, but this is a good four, five range, maybe six range on the stupid scale. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. The Stupid Scale. That is the Stupid Scale. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.